Uh, today we start a series where we are going to, it's actually going to be a series of series, uh, where we're going to walk through the whole Bible. So for those of you that did not grow up in the church, this is going to be an awesome year for you. For those that did grow up in the church, it's going to be an awesome year for you. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at those stories that you learned when you were in elementary school, you know, like on the little flannel graph or whatever, and they talk about creation or talk about King David or talk about, right? We're going to go through those major stories of the Bible, but the difference is, in this room at least, we are going to take a little bit more of an adult spin on them. Like, what is the intention behind those writings, behind the authorship? Um, this is not so much a historical, though I am technically a history guy, um, this is not so much a history class. It's not so much what happened, but it's going to be a why did all of these things happen. Um, and so I'm excited to get into this. We are going through the whole Bible uh, as a church in here. Of course, we're doing a reading plan, so you should be already going through uh, the Bible together as a church. If you haven't started, make sure to join us. You can go to EncounterTrinity.com. They'll give you more instructions later on the service, too. Uh, and you can join our reading plan going through it together. We've got some great videos in there, of course, reading through Scripture. Uh, we're doing it with the children's ministry, youth ministry, all campuses, all locations. Everybody's all together going through the Bible. It's going to be fun. And I love that we'll be teaching out of the text, uh, but even in the mornings we'll be reading to you some of the Scripture or the children's Bible uh, that your kids are going to be learning out of, which is super cool too. So I love kind of the culmination of all these pieces coming together to share the grand story of God's creative love. Genesis 1-1, let's begin this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As you've been reading this this last week, all of Genesis 1, and I'm assuming that you have, you'll notice that we added in a secondary text to not just merely the creative list of things that happened, light, atmosphere, dry ground, sun, moon, stars, birds, animals, ultimately humans, and then God rests on the seventh day. But you're going to see that we also took you to Psalms 8, 3 through 9, and I want to spend a significant portion of our time this morning on that. This is the part that you probably didn't spend a lot of time on as you read through the creation account as a kid, or even this last week. Psalm 8, 3 through 9 says this. So Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth lists the ways or the process that he used. And then we go over to Psalm 8, 3 through 9. It says this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name. Right here in this beautiful culmination of the creative account, Genesis, our origin, and in this psalm, right, this poetry, we find not just what happened, but why happened. Why this is all here. Why you are here. Why in the world does your heart beat? Why are you sitting in this room? Why does God allow all of this? I love, uh, I love journals. This is a, a new one my kids just got for me. Uh, anybody here? Like, I know, I've got, I've got the tools too, like the electric tools. I've got my phone and my computer, and I do use them. But anybody here, like, 
you prefer an old school paper journal. Anybody else here kind of like that? Yeah, me too. In fact, I thought about bringing my whole stack of journals. Every year, uh, I, I, I go through different ones. In fact, uh, I will send off and print, like have them kind of bound and made nicer. And I have, a, I have a list of them at home. Like, so 2020, 2021, 2022. I often preach out of journals, not every time, but often do that. And then I also really enjoy a pen, a good pen. Anybody else here really love a good pen? Anybody else here find it incredibly difficult to find good pens? Man, so uh, I have, I go through them all the time. My big complaint with them, twofold. One is I break the little clip all the time on them. Anybody here a clip breaker? And it's probably because I fidget, you know, so I sit in meetings and I'm fidgeting with the clip and then snap, it breaks off over and over again. So, so annoying. So uh, I run them down. The other thing that drives me nuts is I don't like pens that have like the cheap ink tubes. So when you try to write on it, if you're like sideways or jotting something down, it stops writing. And you're like, come on, come on. I, that drives me nuts. So uh, I get, I've, I, this, okay, this is a little overkill. I've been doing some custom pens as of late. This one is from my kids. I got it over Christmas break. It's got my initials on it, MKC. Uh, it's a bullet pin. I love it. So it's, I like the hard, like the hard click. You know, this thing isn't falling apart easy. It, it is a, it feels like it weighs 10 pounds. It's like solid steel. You have to write slow with it. It's not really 10 pounds. You have to write slow with it. I just, I really enjoy this pen. In fact, there is something just in the speed of this world. Everybody is hurrying constantly. There's something in my spirit that absolutely loves a pen that's heavy on paper that forces me to write slowly. I love that. And I was thinking about this too, like the pen and God's creative work and handiwork. And I was thinking about like, I love novels. I love to read. Of course, I've talked a ton about whether it's Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings or just love them. Even recently with the kids going through the Wing Feather series with the little ones and love to read, love to write. And I was thinking about this, how like, what is a novel? I mean, in all essence, right, like a novel is basically paper and some author with a pen or like an artist on a canvas. Right here at the very tip of this pen, if you have a novelist, right, like C.S. Lewis could take something so simple as a dead tree and some form of petroleum or oil and right at the tip of that pen whole worlds are birthed. You ever thought about how amazing that is? I mean, like, seriously, when the Lord of the Rings books were written, right, and he pulled out his pen, right, and I, I'm, I, I don't know if it was, but hopefully it was a bullet pen with the right upside down ink cartridge, and he clicked that, pay, that pen in place and he put it down right at the tip of the pen, whole worlds, Middle Earth was birthed right at the tip of the pen. And so if you were to ask me, like, a question, Mike, uh, where do novels come from? Like, where do these great books, where does great art come from? I could answer you scientifically. I could be like, well, a great novel is a tree that is cut down and it's processed right, and then they bind it together and it's paper, and then also a great novel has this thing called ink, and it contains a tree, and it contains ink. And it, I could give you a scientific answer that would be 100% accurate, but it would actually be missing the most amazing piece, which is the wonder and the creativity that comes at the tip of the pen. You see what I'm saying? 
And when you read the Bible, it's really interesting because the Bible, it's not written to be a scientific book. It's not a science book. The Bible isn't a science book. It's a book revealing the heart of an author. I mean, like, whole worlds are birthed at the tip of God's, well, handiwork, Psalms. I love the way it's stated there. It's not primarily a book of, of, of how. It's primarily a book of, of why. Why are there things? Why are we here? What's the point of all of this? I mean, the Bible answers those deeper existential questions. That's its purpose. And that's even the purpose of the origin story of humanity. The why behind of all of humanity, all of humanity's story really is love. God, wow, wow, that was, I know it's first service. I know there's a lot of church left. I know coffee's still sitting. Let's try that again. God, he cared. He cared. I mean, like, in the vast beauty of God's creation, he cared. You are here because he cares. Your story is written because he cares. He cares about about you. I mean, the reality is from in the beginning, the words in the beginning, Genesis 1-1 that we just read a minute ago, to it is finished in John 19-30, the deep love of God is the grand why behind all of what is. So when you run into people and they're like, well, the Bible doesn't give a good, long, exhaustive, scientific list of all that made things come to be, it's the same kind of person that would be frustrated. It's like, well, how did Lord of the Rings be written? And they go to a class on how to write novels, and the person who teaches you how to write novels doesn't go into an extensive, extensive uh, talk on where paper comes from and how ink is made and, and that the pen is like metal when there's a spring in here. The guy talks about how to be creative and how to create. You've got to understand the heart of this book is really all about the heart of God being revealed. It's all about this creative handiwork of this being that literally is is love, the scripture says. You may see the Bible, the grand story of humanity, as a book of rules. The Bible isn't a book of rules, it's a map. Right? And like every good map, and I, and I love this because, you know, good novelists will create like other pieces in their literature that kind of help it. So like you'll read a story or like if you open Lord of the Rings or you go to the Chronicles of Narnia and you can go to the front and it's got like a picture of Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings and you can kind of see, oh, that's where Frodo would have gone or okay, I can see how Bilbo would have made. If you've never read the books, you should. I'll just leave you with that. And you can kind of see it on the map. I mean, the reality is the Bible itself, all of its stories, all woven together, they're not a book of rules, so there are a lot of rules in it. It's a map. And like a map says, don't, step in the swamp of despair or make sure to take a right here or X marks the spot in the same way the Bible is showing you the way to the greatest love. It's a map. And every rule that says don't step here is because that's a step away from true love. From what can make you most whole, complete. The Bible is a map. The Bible isn't, some of you may think it's a book of superheroes, right? It's a book of superheroes. The Bible isn't a book of superheroes, but of how the love of God can transform all types of flawed people. 
It's a book about how God can transform all types of flawed people. And if you read the stories, some of the superheroes, the people in the Bible that we highly admire, if you read them closely, they were super zeros before they were superheroes, for sure. The other thing to remember as we get into this series, the Bible is not a book, but a library of books. It's originally written in three different languages. It has more than 40 authors that span hundreds of years from three different continents. It's amazing that they all point to Christ. All telling one story, all of this, all the authors, different languages, different continents, all telling one story. God is love, and that love is divinely embodied in Jesus himself. I'm going to invite Josh up. And I'm going to do the end of this service just a little bit differently. This is an introduction message. A few years ago, I, uh, I wrote a fiction book for my kids. And uh, I had finished my master's, and, uh, and I was kind of in between schooling. I wasn't ready to start doctoral work at the time. And I kind of had this desire to work on a big project. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a fiction book for my, for my children. And so I, uh, I did. And as I kind of did like the character development and I laid them out and I had my notes and, and as I built each of these people and I wrote their stories and created their circumstances and, and I gave them hardships to wrestle through and things to overcome and, and, and you have different characters that are kind of merging together as the story progresses. In all of this, man, there were times I would sit in the back of my house on the back porch and as I was writing this book for my kids, this fiction book for my kids, I would weep. I mean, I wrote into each of these characters, what I really wrote into them was my heart. I wrote my heart into each of those stories. I wrote into each of those stories God's heart for people. God's heart for the world, how God's heart breaks when this world is broken. I wrote into each of those stories how we as unique individuals have these beautiful opportunities to be agents of love and life and hope. I mean, I even think about, like, we just finished the Christmas give, and it was like 22,000, is that right? 22,000 through the Christmas give, and how many families have been helped through the different outreach events that we did, and and I'm trying to remember right, I think I wrote it in my notes. Even with Destiny Rescue, we are now up to 76 people that were in human trafficking that are set free. That's amazing. And in every one of these complicated stories, right, like we are writing the love of God we are also bringing that creative love into places where it's needed. So in this fiction book, I'm creating all these things. In the real world, I want their hearts to grow so then in the real world, they can create the beauty and love of God written into places where it's absolutely needed.
It's just a metal pen. A bullet pen with a strong click. It's got the steel little clip on it. That's great. It's handy. It's heavy. It forces me to write slow. And I like to write on dead trees. Call me old-fashioned. But when this pen meets paper and the creative energy of God that formed the universe can even work through me, beautiful stories, letters of hope, gratitude cards that say thank you, journals filled with how God is speaking in my own heart, fiction books for my children, all come at the tip of this pen. I could scientifically tell you what this is made of, but what I really want you to get is what this can do when the creative work of God moves through it. And what I want you to get is what you can do as the creative handiwork of God moves through you. You are not mere dust of the earth. You are dust of the earth in whom God breathed in. And as we begin this journey, as we work, starting with creation, and we hear the story of God's handiwork over the weeks to come, and as we move through all these stories through Scripture, and we go all the way and we even land from Eden to our new home, and new creation, and revelation, I want you to see the creative, glorious love of God poured out from his handiwork. I want to go back and I want to read the psalm to you one more time. Then we're going to do something a little different here. Listen to this again. So remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. You've read Genesis this last week, the first part of it. Let's go to Psalm, the why, the creativity. Listen to these words again. Now when I look at your heavens, right? Like we see the art from the artist. The work of your fingers as you painted the moon and the stars which you set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. We're not mere recipients of God's love. We're conduits of it. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I'm telling you, one of the primary tactics that the enemy wants to use against you is to get you to believe that you are mere nothing. 
that you can't make beauty, that you don't have the capacity to become love to others, that you are a failure, that, you, that you're lost, that you can't do it. Listen, I'm telling you, God wants to write his loving story, not just about you, but through you into the world too. It's the creation account. There is no gap, my friends, between God's will and God's way. And his divine creativity written in the cosmos includes you. I love Ephesians 2.10. It's a scripture I memorized years ago. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's read it again, right? Just, just follow with me. Notice this. For we are his workmanship. I love that. Actually, the Greek there, poema, the Greek is super important. Like, we are in process. We are a living, active, currently being used handiwork of God. You are. You are the handiwork of God, writing love. It's coming from you and through you. God wants you to not only receive it, but to help write his love in the world. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you would, just stand your feet. And uh, I want to speak identity over you in this uh, service here this morning as we begin this series. Just, if you would, close your eyes. And put your hands out like you're receiving a gift, right? Just You're receiving your origin story. You're receiving your origin story, okay? So Lord, even right now, illuminate our imagination. Genesis, the beginning. In your mind's eye, See the void, the emptiness. And like an artist excited to paint a picture or an author excited to write a novel, God speaks and he says, let there be light. See it in your mind's eye, the light illuminate. And in your mind's eye, as you're imagining, thinking this through, I just want you to, to see God begin to create like material and matter. And he creates, right, the firmament. He literally makes atmosphere. He creates the sun and the moon and the stars. See his handiwork. I mean, like, like, a, like an amazing author or artist. He speaks and stars burst into being. I want you to see the handiwork of God as he sets all in motion in your mind's eye. Just receive your origin story, right? The love of God. He doesn't just make matter. He makes its movement. 
And now all of a sudden, the cosmological constants, high and low, nuclear, electromagnetism, gravity, these systems come into play, and the whole universe begins to teem with energy and movement, and life is ready to begin. God creates the dry land and the water below. And in your mind's eye, just imagine the God of the universe as he pulls his hand through the ocean. And in the wake of his fingers, fish, starfish, whales, and orca, they just all are birthed as the creative mind brings them into being. And up out of the water, see God as he just moves his hand through the air and it's like out from behind his fingertips come eagles and and birds. And and then see him take his hand and reach down into the dust of the ground and he forms man and then he breathes into it And then that dust takes in the very nature love of God and lives. And then the story lands to you. And through Jesus, which we're going to study a ton about here soon, these words, Paul says them, with your hands out, receive this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were made for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Now, I'm going to say this again, and I want to make it personal. Just receive this. For you are his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Lord, even right now, as we imagine the creative story, we want to go beyond the mere ingredients. We want to go beyond the mere paper. We want to go beyond the mere pens. We want to go beyond the mere ink. And we want to see the creative heart behind it. Illuminate your creative heart that we might see you in new ways, Jesus. Our origin story is love. Our rescue is through perfect embodied love in Christ. And our destination is love. You wrote this novel because you cared. In your name, amen. You can go and have a seat. Man, I love you. I wait to get into this series. Um, And even as you prepare to receive communion here, this is such a great way to end the message this morning. This is such a great way to end this. Kathy, are you doing communion with him today?
as you take communion, just remember the love of God as it wrote the universe, as it chose to die, as he chose to die on the cross, and as he wants to write his story in you. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.